Dubai is well renowned for the skyscrapers mm. and the, the size of the villas and stuff. So when we take, um, last year we had uh, Dubai Sports TV filming the entire race for us. And when we watch back the footage, the backdrops that we've got, the views that the riders are seeing, you know, the guys at the front end, the pointy end of the bunch, they're not sightseeing. And they're not, yeah, they're just <laughs> watching the wheel in front, making sure yeah. that the watts are at the right amount and that they're uh, in the right position for the breakaway. Um, but for any of the riders that are out that are just taking it easy, going around and having fun with their friends, you're going to see some amazing places that you probably don't take heed to when you're, mm. you're driving around in your car. You look mm -hmm. at the, the tourists that come out, you know, there's a very strong possibility that you're going to see some camels on your ride and you're going to see skyscrapers. It's yeah. just something <laughs> for everybody. This is Dawn, a very unlikely ultra cyclist, and you're listening to the Just Bikes podcast from The Metal Set. Stay tuned as I'll be chatting with friends and fellow cyclists about all things bikes. That's ultra, adventure, gravel, mountain biking, and all sorts of type two fun. Welcome to the next episode of the Just Bikes podcast. Thank you again for your continued support. At the time of me recording this, we have reached number one in the UK, Ireland, Brazil, UAE, and Jordan. Also notable, we have reached number two in Belgium and the Netherlands. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, thank you for your reviews. We have a new one to share today from Ed Peters too, titled, So Good So Far. Ed says, only listen to one episode so far, Juliet Elliott part one. So that's a great start. Just need to continue with similar level guests. Thank you, Ed, for your feedback and encouragement. I hope you did manage to check out the other half of Juliet's episode, as well as our first episode with Dr. Sarah Ruggins, a very wild tale about her road to the transcontinental. Please keep your reviews coming. And my promise to you all remains in place that I will bring you the most interesting stories and guests that I can find. So back to today's episode. If you live in the United Arab Emirates or visit regularly, you know that cycling is having a moment and it's been having a moment for quite a while. This is not by accident. From where I sit or pedal, as it were, the growth of cycling in the UAE has happened at all levels. From the grassroots groups that formed over the past 20 years to the ongoing investments that the government has made and is making here in cycling infrastructure and events. As some of you may know, I became a cyclist in Dubai in late 2018. I bought my first road bike and in a little over three months, I did my first ultra cycling race, Biking Man Oman, and I have never looked back. If I look at how that happened, my home of Dubai and the UAE played a huge role in making it possible. Firstly, in Dubai itself, it's very flat here, which allowed me to rack up some really, really big rides in a fairly short period of time, which ultimately gave me the confidence and self-belief that doing an ultra was possible. Secondly, I didn't have to ride with cars or in traffic. There are over 200 kilometers of dedicated bike paths here in Dubai that allow you to ride safely without having to worry about traffic. There's a massive desert track called El Qudra. There's a city track called Medan or D1. And there are other cycling tracks in and around some of the communities with many more to follow in the coming years. It should also be noted that the main cycling tracks also have free bathroom and shower facilities that are safe and clean. Also, <laughs> we are in the middle of winter here. Sorry, European listeners, but that means 25 degree weather Celsius, not Fahrenheit 
So riding any time of the day is possible, which is wonderful for training. If you're a mountain goat, there is some massive elevation to be gained just about an hour north of the city at Jebel Jays. Since I've taken up gravel cycling and mountain biking, there are a lot more on-road and off-road routes that I've found here, and I hope to share some of those in future episodes. So why am I telling you all this and why is it relevant to today's episode? Well, looking back on the history of cycling in the UAE and my personal story, one event stands out. The Spinney's Dubai 92 Cycle Challenge, the oldest mass participation cycling race in the United Arab Emirates. It was also my very first bike race, a race I did about a week after buying a bike, clipped in for the second time and without a bike computer. The race has been instrumental, not just in my cycling journey, but the growth of the UAE cycling community at large. The event is also a supporter of this podcast, allowing me to bring you stories from the Middle East and all over the world. Now in its 14th year, I had the opportunity to speak with Stuart Howison, the race director, the OG race director, as he has been there from the very start. Race activities this year will take place over two days, the 24th and 25th of February, with the 92-kilometer race, which is a UCI Grand Fondo World Series qualifier race taking place on the Sunday all starting and finishing at Expo City Dubai. In this episode with Stuart, we chat through the history of the race, including the youngest ever competitor, let's just say they got in on a technicality, what it means to be a UCI Grand Fondo World Series qualifying race, changes to the race this year, including a new start and end point at Expo City Dubai, the very popular Aster Big Five build-up rides, race safety, the race route throughout Dubai, and you may hear it first from Stuart, race inclusivity, including the Total Energy's 35-kilometer outride, a ride I will be joining this year, and the active giving program, which lets those racing plant trees for every kilometer they ride. So if you're a UAE cyclist, past, present, or future, I hope you enjoy this look back on the history of the race. And if you are one of the many listeners we have across the world, I hope it inspires you to perhaps consider the race this year or in the coming years, and perhaps visit us here in the UAE for a cycling holiday. As always, I put a lot of resources in the show notes, including links to sign up for the event, as well as an episode from the Metal Set podcast where I chat through how I went from zero to ultra in a little over three months. As always, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this little slice of UAE cycling culture, and I hope to see you at the start line of the Dubai. 92 cycle challenge. Welcome to the Just Bikes podcast. You are the race director for the Spinney's 92 Dubai 92 cycle challenge. We're really happy to have you on the podcast today. First of all, how are you today? I'm awesome. Thank you very much, Joan. Thanks for for having me and uh, welcoming the Spinney's Dubai 92 cycle challenge to your podcast. That's uh Fantastic. I mean, listen, how am I? This weather, this time of year, um, you just can't be bad. It's just so good time to get out, ride your bike, have fun, soak up a little bit of vitamin D. Oh, stunning. Perfect time of year Abs- in Dubai. Absolutely. I wish it would be like this year round, but we can only dream. Yeah. Um, second, it's a new year. So happy new year. Um, the I very just same to you. Thank you. I wanted to ask, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Um, I think that everybody has the same one, and I'm going to jump on the bandwagon of it. Last year, I got my Strava report, and it was just abysmal. So this year, I need to ride my bike more. That's probably my key feature. It's not to get fitter or healthier or lose weight. It's just ride my bike more and just uh, take advantage of the beautiful surroundings that we've got. 
Um, so yeah, now that you brought more. it up, though, I have I have to ask, how many kilometers did you do last oh, year? Oh, <laughs> no, it was terrible. It was probably my lowest in like maybe 10 years. I did 7,000 kilometers on my bike. Oh, it's now you're going to make me feel bad. I did less. <laughs> no way. No way. Ultra cyclists, like yourself, you do that in like a couple of months. No, it Re- was Retired bad. ultra cyclist. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it's a very good resolution to have to get out on your bike more often. And I think I need to do that as well now that I know yeah. 6,000 is very, very low. Yeah. But we're here to talk about just that. We're here to talk about the Spinney's Dubai 92 Cycle Challenge, which is the UAE's oldest mass participation cycling event. Very, very Absolutely. cool. Yeah. And I guess first off, I wanted to ask why 92 kilometers? Where is the missing eight to make it a century uh. ride? You need to ask ARN about that because it's the Spinney's Dubai 92. So Dubai 92 is obviously the media partner. And um, yeah, that's that's where the, the distance came from. And I think we've only actually done an exact 92 kilometers once. Um, so the distance kind of varies a little bit. It just depends on where we've got to start and finish uh, located. So 92 Ks. And it's, and it's also one of those things that's below 100. So it seems achievable for everybody. So it's a nice distance. Right, ninety-two. So Spinney's Dubai ninety-two-ish cycle challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what it's like in Dubai. You always get a little bit something extra. So right, 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 right. So this is the fourteenth anniversary of the race, meaning the first edition was in two thousand and ten. Correct. Were you part of the race then? Absolutely. So yes, yeah, set up the race uh, fourteen years ago. Um, been the race director ever since. Set it up, founder. Um, and now it's uh, the property and wholesale owned by uh, Ali Al-Bawadi and the Spinney's uh, Group. It's theirs. They took it on board. They saw it's a great initiative for uh, health and well-being. And uh, yeah, it's theirs. So Well, we love that because there's one thing that's, that cyclists need is good food. So Absolutely. Absolutely. You certainly get a good meal with Spinney's, that's for sure. Absolutely. So talk us through that first year, 14 years ago, if you can remember, what was it like? Um, it was um, it was challenging because we had never had a a sort of amateur event take place in Dubai on the roads. And if you can remember mm-hmm. Dubai 14, 15 years ago, the road structure was very different to what it is now. There was a lot of um, single trail roads. So if Al Kale Road was only two lanes, it had roundabouts wow. and speed bumps on it. Um, the Maidan um, NAS track was the old camel racetrack back in those days. Um, and it was it was interesting because we had a lot of discussions with the Dubai police and the RTA who immediately jumped on board and were like very keen to help us and to support it. Um, but what we had what we had understood from what they understood was two totally different things. You know, it was uh, we we're both learning from each other from the RTA mm-hmm. side and the Dubai police side. Luckily enough, we've we've had such amazing support from the Dubai police on, on how to grow together and learn how to do road structures and road closures. Um, so it was it was challenging. I mean, we, we didn't secure full road closure until five years ago um, right. before we had junction closures. And it was it was very different to, to the structure we have now. Now we've got complete 92 kilometers plus of road infrastructure that's uh, that's sealed off from from traffic um, and riders are safe to be out on the road. There's there's no worry about cars coming past. I mean, I remember the, the first couple of years with uh, with Al Road, it was, you know, we had um, we had lane dedication. Um, mm-hmm. But trying to get people that are that are not used to seeing cyclists on the road, you know, you you take the population of Dubai, and um, it's such a mix mixing pot of cultures and diversity, and you got big trucks, and you got taxi drivers, and you got people that are never used to seeing cyclists on what would be a very busy road, and there's construction vehicles, 
and now we've yeah it's 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 a night and day difference remember we started the first year with 430 riders yeah i think we started with 430 riders and i think we had five police cars right (laughs) and yeah when we're standing at the start line and um you know the 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 now chief of police was with us on the on the the start line it was a case of he started calling in cars from all over the place to to help us get the road seals and the road junctions done and we ended up with um, cars coming in from all over dubai to help us lock off junctions and yeah it was fantastic it was stressful as you can imagine but (laughs) the first of anything right yeah um, and then it's just progressed and, you know, the Dubai sports council have been incredible champions of it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the likes of Saeed Harab and Nasser Rahman have been the champions of it and just see it as an event for Dubai, bringing in the local population, getting more and more Emiratis on the bikes, which is amazing. And the skills and the levels of fitness and dedication, it's, yeah, it's come along night and day. Very much yeah. so. Well, it was my very first race five years ago. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. <laughs> But yeah, I loved it being able to ride on the roads here through all sorts of different, you know, backdrops, seeing the city is absolutely fantastic. How has the race evolved over the years? I mean, it's not, it's from the time I did the race in 2000, the first time I did it in 2018, I believe in December, 2018. I mean, it would, it sounds very different to what you're first describing. Yeah. Um, back in 2010, but how has it kind of evolved, you know, from 2010 to 18 to now? So I think that from from the beginning race, uh, the, the first couple of years, it was it was more of a very amateur event, um, and mm-hmm. not in scales or, or terms of um, of the event quality, but more in terms of the the rider ability and the the people that were taking part in the event. It was it was really a beginner's ride, and it was people going out stretching themselves to do 90 k's. 2018, I think the big changes then was we started getting uh, full road closures. Um, mm-hmm. That's when things started changing massively for us. And the competition level started getting more and more. We started getting more and more internationals taking up the event. And uh, we saw a lot more cycle tourism coming in. So a lot of people coming in from uh, the likes of uh, Italy and France. Um, Australia's got quite a big population that comes in. And obviously, we've got the Germans coming in. Then there was Americans started coming in. We've got a massive Russian contingents that come in. They spend three, four weeks here before the race now. Um, and the levels just kept on getting bigger and bigger. And you saw the, the race times and the average speeds getting faster and faster. Um, and obviously, that, uh, that put us into an area where we started to look to, to try and diversify it a bit and see how we can encourage more new cyclists to get on board mm-hmm. and, and jump into it. And that's where we, we looked at doing a shorter course and an outride and uh, implemented that second uh, second event within the main race of a, a shorter course. And to now where we're a UCI Grand Fondo, uh, we are affiliated with the UCI. Uh, we're a qualifying event for uh, the UCI World Championships, which is the the biggest accolade that an amateur can get is to, to win mm-hmm. the rainbow jersey. So you get the World Championships of being a, an amateur rider. Um, you know, I think that all of us, when we don our Lycra in the morning and we go out for a ride on Al-Kudra or down at D1 or uh, in Aberdeen on Hurriyat uh, Island, we all think we're world champions. Um, mm-hmm. But now we get that opportunity to race against the world's best uh, after we qualify, obviously, in the top 25% of our age group and off we go. And this year is in uh, Denmark. So right. it be a nice race. Yeah. Very and cool. that's how it's progressed. It's just gone... Yeah, the levels have got much, much better. The, the road infrastructure has got better. The, the routes are, are start and finish. Our villages, I think post-race in the, the village is, is something to behold. 
I do remember really good snacks from the last yeah. time I did it. <laughs> it does help having a uh, a, a a food company like Spinney's and uh, a retail and uh, uh, grocery store as your your title partner or title Absolutely. sponsor. It does help. <laughs> goodie um, bags are always meant- goodie bags. <laughs> yeah. So the race attracts two thousand people from all across the world, and. As you mentioned, you know, we know Dubai and the UAE is one of the most multicultural cities and countries in the world. Do you actually know how many nationalities are represented every year in the race? Um, we do get a breakdown on it. I think it's, it's well over 100, 150 different nationalities. And, you know, the wow. difficult thing is obviously to, to understand when you put in your, uh, your nationality um, on the race entry. Some people just put down UAE because obviously they put in a UAE ID number. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, it comes out 100, 150 different nationalities we know that uh, we've got a massive contingent that comes in obviously when they, they start asking us for seeding and and how to get placed in the right group so we know that we've got a, a really strong international portfolio mm-hmm. and this year in particular there's a couple of new elements right can you talk us through some of some of those so obviously what we try to do every year is you know as a an event grows bigger and bigger um and you know the, the front peloton is always going to be the the most competitive side to it um, but there's, there's always a, a limited market to how many people you can attract for that, because that's, I'd say that's 10% of, of the, mm-hmm. of the event. You know, the rest of it is people doing it for their own personal goals, their, their first 90 kilometers or their longest distance or their first, uh, mass group ride. And then it's to try and get the, the newcomers into the sport. And this year we've advanced on the, the total energies outride. Uh, we've got a 35 kilometer distance outride that's, uh, on the cards and we've moved them from being on the same day as the Spanish Dubai 92 on the Sunday. So now we've mm-hmm. got the outride taking place on the Saturday. So it's a totally standalone event. Um, and what that gives us the advantage to is that if, um, say mom and dad have got a, a youngster that's, you know, 13, 14 years old, and he's too young or she's too young to do the Spinney's 92, but they want to be part of the event with them, they can mm-hmm. actually go out, do the short course ride with them on the Saturday as a warm up ride for themselves. And then on the Sunday, they can go and do their main race. Yeah. I'm really excited to do that one personally. I'm actually going to do that this year, 35, because I think, yeah, as I mentioned, I don't typically ride in Pelotons being an ultra cyclist. I'm out alone a lot, but I do think it's quite lovely to be able to ride out on the roads um, with your friends, maybe some friends who aren't confident to ride in the 92 kilometer race and just enjoy. So I'm really looking forward to that. I also saw that there are some junior rides ranging in one kilometer yeah, <laughs> to nine yeah, kilometers. Yeah. Who who's racing the racing quote unquote racing the one kilometer rides? It's such it's probably the most heartfelt time, and you'll see when you come down there and you see these two and three year olds on their their push bikes or their uh, their bikes with stabilizers on. And we allow mom and dad to go around and run with them and sort of chaperone them around cute. the course. It is the cutest thing <laughs> on the planet. Um, and um, the really cool thing, again, because this is on the Saturday, um, it doesn't detract from what mom and dad want to do on mm-hmm. their, their main day. So, or even if it's bigger brother, bigger sister's main day on the, on the Sunday. But when you come down to this year's one, we're taking place at uh, a new start and finish location down at Expo City, Dubai. And uh, they have come on board, and hopefully this is going to be a multi-year um, location where we can make that our home. Um, the start and finish in and out of Expo City Dubai is amazing. The road infrastructure in there is great. And what it does is it gives us a really nice area for us to have these 
one kilometer course, the three kilometer and the nine kilometer. Yeah, I think one of my career highlights, I would say, is doing a, is doing the communications for a junior triathlon <laughs> where there was exactly just that kids with on bikes with stabilizers. And one girl, I remember she had a pink bike, stabilizers and a little baby doll in a basket on the front who also had a pink helmet like hers. Yeah. It was the cutest thing I've it's ever adorable. seen. <laughs> yeah, we've got one of our riders who um, she actually did um, the Spinney's 92 when she was I think she was six months pregnant at the time. Wow. And her uh, her son and her daughter now um, have taken part. So from being the youngest ever competitor, not even born, now doing the <laughs> the, the, the outrides and doing the, the junior rides. So hopefully in two years' time, when uh, he's old enough, he'll be able to do his first Spinning Savannah to do cycle challenge on his own with mom from you know, being in her womb to now actually be able to compete in it. That'd be amazing. I love that story. The junior, <laughs> the junior rides, what ages are, so you mentioned, was it two to three for the one kilometer and what ages do that go up to, to the nine kilometer race? So it goes up to everything below 13 years old, because obviously the Spanish 92 and the outride, we've got age limitations and it's, it's not purely based on the abilities. It's about safety and just making sure that people mm -hmm. are in the right mindset to be able to do that. So, we go from sort of two years old up till uh, 13 years old. So the nine kilometers is anything up below 13 years old. And then the outride 13 years and above can do the outride. Nice. Wow. So this really, really is something for everyone in this. Now, there's a series of build-up rides as well, right? So, I mean, my story aside, which we'll get into in a minute, but... <laughs> Not everyone goes out and go dives right into a 92 kilometer ride or a really long ride. And you guys have the Aster Big Five build up rides, which are a series of rides so people can join. They're not, are they races? Would you consider them races? Um, they are races in the sense that um, now we've got Aster Pharmacy on board as the, the title partner. So the build up rides came about after uh, having the conversation with Yanni Holzhausen, who was the, um, the CEO of Spinney's at the time, when I presented the event to him as a concept on how we can get people up and on their bikes and riding um, around the streets to Dubai. And, sort of, and the idea was to emulate exactly what's been going on around the world in the Cape mm. Town Cycle Tour, uh, the Pick and Pay Cape Argus. So at the time it was called that. And then it's the, um, the uh, Johannesburg one, it's the 94.7, London Prudential, um, the Big Bay in Australia, and the, the stuff happening in New York. And there's a lot of big events happening around the world. And Yanni at the time wasn't riding his bike sufficiently. And he said, yeah, he really <laughs> wants to do these things and he wants to get back into it. And he wants to go and do the Cape Argus again, but he can't do 92Ks. Should we look at doing something about building people up to that? And uh, give them a series of, of challenges to, to step along the way. So we came up with the concept of doing 35K, 45, 65, 85, and then the, the main race being the Spinney's Dubai 92 Cycle Challenge. Mm -hmm. And um, along the path of the journey, we saw the first couple of years, the numbers grow and grow and grow. As the event grew, we saw more and more people getting involved in the build-up rides. Mm -hmm. And then just before, I think, COVID period happened, um, we saw the numbers starting to, to dip down a little bit because now everybody's that's, that's entered is now a fair with doing 35, 45, 65. They're all able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and then we, uh, we, we sort of looked at seeing how we can do challenges to encourage those people that are now on the upper end of the scale that are faster, stronger, and want to compete. Because everybody, as soon as they start getting better, they want to have a competition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we started up with the, the Big Five contest where what happens is you sign up to do the Spinning Spinach 92 Cycle Challenge and you take the whole package. So you sign up for the four build-up rides and the 92. 
And uh, it started off as an accumulator. It was just called the, I think it was the Victoria accumulator or, or the Wahoo accumulator or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, then it got really popular and uh, you saw the, the competitiveness coming out in all the, all the riders and all the shop teams started uh, getting stronger and stronger, bringing out more teams. So Revolution had a team, the Cycle Hub had a team, then uh, the teams from the Beyond the Bike and Wolfies and everybody started putting teams together and it just started getting more and more competitive. And now with uh, Asta Pharmacy being on board as the, the title partner and the, the title sponsor for the event, it's now got a standalone sort of premise of its own. So it's still got the same um, basis. It's, it's for absolute beginners who mm-hmm. are not able to do 45, 65 that want to come down, learn how to ride in a group, ride in a peloton, ride and, and learn about the, the nuances and the, the living beast that is a peloton um, mm-hmm. and take away that phobia that's like of yourself. You know, you're not keen on riding in a peloton, but it's to take that away and just go, this is your, your friends and your compatriots and mm-hmm. your, your, your riding buddies. They're there doing the same thing as you are and uh, working as a team to get around that distance. So now we've got uh, absolute beginners that struggle on the, the, the 35 uh, distance doing 22, 23 Ks an hour for their first build-up ride. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the, the elite guys at the front end of the, their, their starting group going off and they're doing 44, 45 averages. So it covers the whole spectrum for everybody. There's something for a beginner and there's something for the advanced. And now we've got a leaders board. We've got teams competition running inside the, the Asta Pharmacy Big Five. Um, we've got different age categories in it. So there is a competitive nature in it for mm-hmm. everybody. So I think that's, that's where it's gone to. And I think we're, we're going to have to, to keep looking at different ways to, to reinvent and, and make that more exciting. So, see, Stuart, you want, you had in mind to start one race, and now, <laughs> now you have five. It seems. <laughs> oh yeah, five, and then we've got what uh, nine different categories for the junior ride. So yeah, it's it's turned into an absolute beast. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned about the teams, um, all the shops there are putting in teams, which is wonderful, and people love competition. That teams category is new this year, though, right? Giving Absolutely. the people what they want, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's the great thing about having an event that's, that's locally grown, that's homegrown, that's not, um, it's not governed by anybody outside of, of the country, you know, so with uh, Spinney's being the owners of the group, if, if, if we as, as the, the, the organizing committee go to Spinney and say, you know what, we're going to get a lot of feedback from the riders who want to have more of this or less of that. And, you know, for, for us as organizers, I mean, I'm an avid racer myself. Mm-hmm. I've hung up my racing bike. I mean, I just ride my bike for, for fun and, and personal gains and that. But we're not in the bunches. We're not in the peloton. So we need to listen to the riders and say, look, the rider's looking for this. This is what they want. We sit, we chat about it and say, right, is this something we can do? And the, the competition side of it is, you know, when you look at a peloton and you've got one winner, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got a thousand people taking part, you've got one winner. How do you spread that joy and, and give everybody something that they've got something to go for? So now we've got two different age categories, male and female in the Asta Pharmacy Big Five. We've got the teams category. You know, and then for everybody else that's, that's, that's further down the field, we've got your own personal goals. You know, where did you come on the, the, the first four build-up rides? You know, where are you going to be seated for the Spinney's Divine 92 Cycle Challenge? Mm-hmm. So it keeps it active and we don't have to report to the UCI to, to find out, is this feasible? Is this possible? It's a homegrown event. It's, it's owned by Spinney's. They can, we can adapt and change it as we need. Yeah, I really love that. You mentioned as well a new route and... This year, the race is in and out of Expo City Dubai, which is super cool. 
I love going back to Expo City for events because it's such a nice memory of that event here in Dubai. Talk us through the route. Yeah. So the route this year, I mean, obviously we've, we've, we've always had great start finish venues. Um, some of them have been a little bit more challenging than others to, to get the riders into and afterwards. Yeah. Previous years we've had it at, uh, the Dubai International Cricket Stadium, which was a beautiful venue for, uh, for the, the after party and for the, um, the, the spinnies eat well, live well village. But what we wanted to try and do is find a venue that um, we could start and finish from, which is right on the doorstep of the finish line. So it's mm-hmm. not uh, a far distance for the riders to go to. And when you look around Dubai, there's, there's not a lot of places that we can go to with, with the restrictions of what we've got on road closures. You know, mm-hmm. we, we try to be as, how do I say this, this correctly? We would try to be as, as without as much impact on the public as mm-hmm. possible so that we can still keep the event's popularity going. Um, and when Expo City Dubai uh, came up as, a, as an avenue where we could start and finish from, that just opened it up to, you know, we've got the Alpha Sun area, which is a beautiful grassed area um, where we can host everything. You know, mm-hmm. we can host our start, our finish. The roads in and out of Expo are an unbelievable, the picturesque, smooth road surfaces. Um, yeah, it's, it just works out great for us. We've got so much parking at Expo. And as you say, it's one of those venues that um, people need to go back to post uh, Expo 2020 and go and see that the place is still buzzing. You know, mm. there's such an amazing atmosphere and feeling around there. You know, they've done a, a great job in sustaining and, and making that, uh, that, that property something that's viable. You know, the, the runs that they have on the Christmas market, um, the high Ramadan, which is, is coming up. These are all events that um, are great to, to keep on going back to it. And now with, Expo City Dubai coming on board as the uh, the venue partner. That's outstanding for us, and hopefully, as I say, that's going to be a number of years that we can stay there. We can uh, we can keep molding our roots around it as the uh, the community spreads out there with the the new developments and housing estates taken up there. We should have uh, a nice new home for a number of years. Yeah, it's a fantastic uh, start and end point. So. I'm getting tempted to sign up for the 92 kilometer race actually yeah. now, but tell yeah. me if I did that, what would I see? What neighborhoods would I be going through in Dubai? You're going to see some of the areas in Dubai that you'd, you'd never be able to ride in those routes on normally. You know, you're going to be going down uh, main highways. You're going to be going down um, city roads. You're going to be riding around uh, the areas. So I'll tell you what the route is. So you, you're okay, coming tell me. I just let it <laughs> out, it out, out of the bag. Yeah, you pulled it out. <laughs> So starting and finish at Expo City Dubai. And uh, the first is we're, we're coming out of uh, Expo City. We're starting in Al Fasan, which is right in the middle of Expo City. Mm-hmm. There's a two kilometer neutral start, which mm-hmm. is a uh, pace controlled rollout through the uh, Expo City, um, taking in some of the sights and sound of the old Expo 2020. And people can see the developments are still there. And as we come out onto Expo Boulevard, um, that's pretty much what we call kilometer zero and that's where the race starts mm-hmm. we're coming out of expo city boulevard onto mohammed uh, uh bin hamdan street which is the, the the highway which leads all the way up to hesse street traditionally we would have gone down hesse street first but this year we're carrying on hamdan bin zayed on Nayan street mm-hmm. all the way straight down to global village um, we're doing a nice lap around global village so taking in the iconic sites of uh, the wonders of global village i as love it global is. village by it's, the way oh <laughs> hiring at the moment it's such a buzz <laughs> so we complete one lap around the global village back onto Hamdan bin Zayed on Nayan street and then uh, straight down towards Hesse street now this is where we turn right down Hesse street 
and we pass uh, pass down beside uh, springs and meadows, turn your left into springs and meadows, do a lap around uh, the greens and uh, come out past JLT, JVC, DMCC's area, up back onto Hesse Street and uh, up towards Zayed bin Hamdan Street, right onto Zayed bin Hamdan Street, and then it's a nice lap around uh, Expo City and finish in front of Al Fasan. And then it's a short walk into the Eat Well, Live Well Village from Spinney's and have get a Get all your snacks. Oh, get all your food. <laughs> You know, I always say to all the riders at the beginning of the ride, it's like, um, you need to go and earn your carbs because yeah. you've got such a great breakfast laid on. Even after all the build-up rides, you know, they start off with the smaller portions because it's only 35 kilometers. So it starts off with a, a nice, simple breakfast. And then by the end of 85 Ks, you know, which is uh, the fourth build-up ride, you know, they've got a big omelet and you know, it's a waffle and there's all sorts of goodies going on from all their sponsors. So the Eat Well, Live Well Village is always a big treat at the end of the Spiddies 92. Yeah, it was when I did the race. And that's fantastic to see, you know, for anyone who doesn't live in Dubai is not familiar, and you'll see some really iconic cityscapes when you're going oh, through yeah. here. And as you mentioned before, these are not roads that you can typically ride on, and they're completely shut. So yeah. safe, you know, wonderful, all this space to ride in yeah. and see these amazing sites. Yeah. So, we get some amazing photographs. I mean, when we come out, because um, Dubai is well-renowned for the skyscrapers mm. and uh, the size of the villas and stuff. So when we take, um, last year we had uh, Dubai Sports TV filming the entire race for us. And when we watch back the footage, the backdrops that we've got, the views that the riders are seeing. So when you're riding around Global Village, obviously, you know, the guys at the front end, the pointy end of the bunch, they're not sightseeing. They're not, yeah, they're just <laughs> watching the wheel in front, making sure yeah. that the watts are at the right amount and that they're uh, in the right position for the breakaway. Um, but for any of the riders that are out that are just taking it easy, going around and having fun with their friends, you're going to see some amazing places that you probably don't take heed to when you're, mm. you're driving around in your car. You're just watching for the next traffic light. You know, all the traffic signals are all closed for us. You're just floating straight through. You're going past Springs Meadows. Uh, you know, when you get to the backdrop and the flyovers at uh, DMCC at, uh, at Jumeirah Lake Towers, and you see that you're riding on a, a three-lane highway, and it's just bicycles. Yeah. And then coming up Hamdan Street, just taking in the, the sights, the golf course on the right-hand side. You've got little aspects. And this is all for tourism as well. I mean, you look mm -hmm. at the, the tourists that come out, you know, there's a very strong possibility that you're going to see some camels on your ride and you're going to see skyscrapers. It's yeah. just something for everybody. <laughs> I think, too, for people listening who are not in the UAE and haven't, uh, you know, ridden their bikes here, just we typically ride our bikes out in rural areas where there, you know, are no buildings. Correct. <laughs> it's wonderful, dedicated path. So to be able to ride in the middle of the city, where I know a lot of riders, like, oh, they don't want to ride in the city, but for us, it's a bit of a treat, right? Because you don't typically ride in that area. Yeah, I mean, look. So all of our build-up rides, you know, one, two, three, and four, all take place on uh, on the dedicated cycling track, and. You know, we often take for granted that exactly what you're saying. We go, oh, we're just riding in the desert. But, you know, we've had some tourists come over and go, you guys are so blessed at what mm. you've got. You know, when we go, and I'm sure it's the same for yourself, when you go back home or you, you go traveling, I don't know, if, you know, when you go and do your, your, your adventures holidays with your bike, you kind of look at these areas and you go, the nature and the beauty that uh, we often take for granted. Mm -hmm. And when the tourists come in and join us, we had uh, an Irish couple over a couple of weeks ago that, uh, that joined us on one of our coffee rides. You know, you're riding in the desert, it's a dedicated track, and you're riding through sand dunes. You know, there's dunes to the left and the right, and you know, the, the area that we call the uh, Jurassic Loop. You just totally take that for granted. But when you're with a tourist and they just point it out to you again, you just sit back and go, you know what, you're right. It is absolutely yeah. stunning. 
I mean, I'm from, I'm from Eastern Canada and I'm from an island and I have to say, I really love the desert. You know, it's, you have an appreciation for it. For me, it's complete mindfulness when you're riding out there. It's beautiful. It's serene. It's quiet. There's wildlife as well. Sometimes people, people think, oh, there's no wildlife here. I'm like, yes, there is. Loads of it. <laughs> loads of it. Yeah, a a random the... capybara sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> What's well, the, the capybara? Is that the, uh, um, oh, it's the little uh, Patagonian Maha, I think is the other yeah, name for it. Yeah, That's I think they're it. capybaras, are they? Or, I don't know. Looks like a talk. rabbit, kind of fox dog, uh, <laughs> kangaroo. It's a rodent, actually. Yeah, it is. It is. It's the same thing. It's. Uh, I know it as the Patagonian Maha. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the wildlife aspects that you can pick up in, in Al-Qudra. And, it, you know, we often get this when guys come over from, or guys and girls, when they come over the teams from, uh, from other parts of the world, we say to them, go out and ride in Al-Qudra. It's, you know, it's a dedicated cycling path. There's 200 kilometers of cycling. That's the safest place to go and ride. Because they often come over thinking the same as back in Europe. Mm-hmm. You can get on your bike and go and ride where you want to. And you're like, no, it's slightly different here. Just yeah. go and ride on the dedicated track. And you, you list the highlights, you know, okay, so there's the desert, there's the dunes, there's the incredible facilities up at the up on uh, on the Alcuda Cycle Track. But keep your eyes open for wildlife, like wildlife, like yeah. I mean, there's the Thompson gazelles. You've got the Arabian oryxes. If you're super lucky, you're going to get to see a fox. Mm-hmm. Patagonian mahas, um, the dub, those big lizards, um, <laughs> the sand lizards, the the snakes. bird life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the snakes occasionally if you're lucky. Um, and uh, the wildlife birds, I mean, you often see falcons and eagles soaring around. So there's a stack of wildlife out. You just got to see it. One mm-hmm. of the rarest things that I've seen out you know, in the, the, the 13 years that we've had the Alcudra cycle track is uh, hedgehogs. Hedgehogs. Uh, hedgehogs. Yeah, so I often saw um, a poor hedgehog that's kind of met its demise. Oh, and no. thought, oh, it must be somebody's pet that they've thrown out. But it, was, it happened year on year. So I wonder if there is actually wild hedgehogs. And then I saw a couple of wild hedgehogs last year, winter, scourging around in the bushes. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of wildlife to be seen out in the desert. You know, we once had a, a guy say to me, how can you ride out in the desert? Isn't it boring? And he was from Cape Town. Mm. And I said, well, you ride in Cape Town. You've got a beautiful mountain on your left-hand side, and you've got the ocean on the right-hand side. How much wildlife do you get to see in the ocean? I mean, it's just a big blue mass of water. You know, mm-hmm. what's, what's, doesn't that become boring? I mean, for us, when we go down to, to do the race or whatever it is, it takes our breath away. And then you kind of look at the desert in the same mindset. That it is just an ocean of sand. You're lucky you do get to see the camels, the Arabian oryxes, and the dunes are always changing. And when the sun glistens off it, it's just spectacular. Yeah. Needless to say, when they went out and re- did the ride, there's, yeah, you're so right. It is as beautiful as riding next to the ocean. This just is the mindset. True. Yeah, it's just different. Um, <clears throat> so I want to take it back to 2018. This is my first... So the Spinney's Dubai 92 Cycle Challenge was my first race ever. It was held in December that year. Um, I didn't even have a bike computer. Wow. Wow. I I bought the bike one weekend. And then the next weekend I did this race. As you do. As as you you do. do. Yeah. (laughs) Which, I mean, there's something to be said for just kind of going for it. And I I was confident that I would be able to do uh, 92 kilometers. But, I mean, for me, it was my second time Clifton, I think, ever. (laughs) Good call. And my first and only goal was to finish that race safely. You know, because I knew... I knew I was a total, total, total amateur, <laughs> below yeah, yeah. amateur. And I did finish the race safely, loved it. I think 
I was in a peloton for most of the race, maybe lost um, a group for a little bit, but caught up or more likely they caught up, <laughs> another group caught up with me and finished. And yeah, I was really, really excited. Took, you know, got off my bike, took a photo, got on the bike to literally ride about, I don't know, 30 meters, right? And then as I go to get off the bike again, couldn't unclip and oh, fell in front of a big, big group. <laughs> was that your first fall with clipping pedals? Yes. It always happens that to way. To be fair it's... to me, though, my second time only clipped in, so. <laughs> so the first time you got clipped in was the start of the race? I think it was the second time. Okay. Sure. <laughs> it's, you know what? It's Murphy's Law. It's, you'll, you'll ride your bike a million times and you'll clip in and out a million times and You'll do silly things and you'll manage to pull it off and get your feet out the, out the pedals. Yeah. As soon as a whole stack of people running yeah. around, oh, yeah. you just, just forget and just. <laughs> they were all there. I, I remember being quite slow mo as well, you know, as it is. You're like, oh no, no, no. <laughs> oh, but thankfully, everyone was super gracious. I was super embarrassed, but they were making me feel not embarrassed, saying it happens to everyone, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, look, I was fine. Nothing happened, wasn't injured. And I know you can't account for some clumsy person being unable to unclip at the, at the finish line. But I know there's a lot of safety measures, um, as there is every year for the race to make sure that riders are safe. So can you talk me through the safety measures in place yeah, for absolutely. all right i think yeah i think it's something that um as a race director and a race organizer it's 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 one of those things that when you put on an event um, any sporting event you know the, there's going to be some challenges that you want to make sure that you cover off and we do our best and i think we do an incredible job at making sure from what our side is that we've provided the safest possible event mm -hmm. but then it comes down a lot to what the riders do and it's got a lot to do with um their behavior on the bike and and how they conduct and condone themselves on a bike you know, you've got to remind me that you might be proficient at riding your bike, be able to take your hands off your bars and, and do all sorts of things like that. But it's what we're trying to do is just instill so many and drum at home to everybody that your safety is important to us, but you are also the captain of your own destiny. You need mm -hmm. to do a whole stack of things. Like this year, we, we're very strict on um, the cell phones on the bikes. I mean, you know, people take the cell phones out and want to do selfies and, you know, they drop the phone, then there's an accident. Yeah. Um, listening to music on a bike, which says people, you know, it is the UCI regulation and we are governed by the UCI for the Grand Fonda that there's no headphones. And right. people say, yeah, but I like to listen to music. But the problem is that then you're immune to what's going on around mm -hmm. you. You're not hearing the rider behind you say, hey, there's an accident ahead or somebody's dropped a bottle or we're turning right here. Yeah. And um, we've put in a, a lot of uh, guides into our, our race guide. And the biggest thing that we've done this year from a race organization is that uh, we've taken the, the times from the build-up rides and we're using those as seeding to, to get you into appropriate groups. Mm -hmm. Now, some people seem to think that it's a punishment to be in a lower group or, you know, with the, that this is, it's not as friendly as what we portray it to be. But our view on it is that, you know, it's as dangerous to be a fast rider in a slow group as it is to be a slow rider in a fast group. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're... When you're being pulled along, and if I can use you for example, you know, you did the, the 2018 Spinners 92 where a group caught you and you were pulled along in that group and you were mm -hmm. mindful enough to, to go at their pace. Mm -hmm. Now, when you get exhausted and you get tired and you're being pulled on at an effort that's beyond your sustainability, your mind focus goes elsewhere. You, you lose control of the bike and you might ride too close to the rider's wheel in front, touch wheels, 
and and cause an unnecessary accident. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is we've, we've we've split the race up into multiple different categories where we've got different seeding events. Uh, so all the build-up rides are all seeding events for the 92. Great. Um, and then we've got the elites with the elites, the faster riders with the faster riders, you know, the sort of 32s with the 30s. And, and we just carry it all the way down to the, the minimum pace, which is 26 average. Mm -hmm. So that you're with a group that you, you know your ability, you know the rider's abilities beside you, that it's not about being in a race at that point. Now you're in this for the enjoyment, the fun, mm -hmm. the, the get the kilometers in, take, a, take in the surroundings and enjoy the aspect of what the Spinney's 92 is. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we've we've become very very strict on on that, and we're using the the, the method of seeding, and that will carry forth into the the ninety two, and um, we are taking into account. So anybody who's done races outside of the country, we're taking into account their uh, their finishing time. So it is open for any of the internationals that are wondering how they get seeded. Mm -hmm. uh, there is aspects to get into it, and uh, and we take it on a case by case study, and it's worked out really really well. I mean, we look at the numbers of what we've had for this year's build up rides. This year, the growth in cycling has been insane. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, I look back at to when we did um, the build-up rides back in the, in the first couple of years. You know, we did 30, 40 people on a build-up ride. Now, our smallest build-up ride for 35Ks, we had 600 riders take part. Wow. Um, to the last one, which is the, the 85, is over 1,000 people registered for a build-up ride. Mm -hmm. And it just shows, I mean, and, you know, touch wood, and, and we hope it's got to do with a lot of the – the safety infrastructures that we put in place, the, the briefings that we put in place before the race, that people are being more cognizant of what they're doing, that it is a case mm. of it's, the race is safe. You know, that's, we've provided safe, closed roads. It's now got to do with the riders. And, you know, if you see somebody being silly beside you, hey, call them about it and say, hey, put your hands back on your bars. You know, take yeah. your headphones out. You know, don't sit so close to the wheel in front of you. Snitch line. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it should exactly. be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 100%. 100%. Yeah, that's, yeah. No, you I'm all for that. Like, you know, ride within your limits, people. Leave yeah. your phone in your back pocket. There's yeah. no need to be WhatsApping. There's no, no need to no. be taking selfies. There's beautiful images provided after the race. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Far and, better than what you're going to get off your uh, off your phone. Yeah. One of those kind of bumpy shots and one out of a hundred is good. Uh, and also no music. You can save that no for music, your solo yeah. rides. Save that for your solo rides. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it is about going out and enjoying the camaraderie. You know, mm. it's it's even down to the fact that, um, you know, the UCI don't allow radios on uh, single day races. So we've told the teams as well, there's, there's no team radios. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, we want it to be a same rule for one, same for all. You know, that's uh, no headphones. It's just, you know, we know you want to listen to Dubai 92 and listen to all the greatest hits, but, you know, they'll be in the village afterwards and you can boogie on down and, and do your thing there. Exactly. Save it when you have your snacks and you're all happy you finish the race. Yeah. <laughs> After. Um, I just want to go back into, and this is me selfishly mm. asking because, as I mentioned before, I went right into ultra cycling. I'm kind of not familiar with some of the shorter races. And I mean, by no means is 92 kilometers a short race, but it's uh, it's very different from the multi-day races I do. Yeah. Can you just talk me through what it means to be a qualifying race for the UCI Grand Fondo World Series Championship? Because I know sometimes people who are cyclists don't really, you know, know all this stuff, sure. may not ask, may be afraid to ask. So I'm going to ask it. I don't mind. I don't Absolutely. know. <laughs> so you can, can you, yeah, talk me through that. 
So to go back, and I mean, I've always said when people walk into the shop and it, it's always an intimidating thing for, I mean, I think it would be the same for me going into a golf store, trying to figure out how to play golf. And you're just so intimidated with that whole world. Mm. I get people coming into the shop and go, can I ask you a stupid question? I'm like, you know what? If you don't ask a question, you're not going to get an answer. So there's no such thing as a stupid question. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the UCI Grand Fondo is a concept that came up uh, a number of years ago. And what they did was they, they recognized the fact that there are a massive amount of skilled amateurs that will never be in the pro peloton that want to test themselves against the best in the world mm -hmm. and in their sort of qualifications you know pro cyclists are out seven eight hours a day riding the bikes that's their job that's why they are as good as what they do that's what they do you and i have a day job you know we sit behind a desk or run around a bike shop for seven eight hours a day um we don't get to train as much as we do so the uci recognized this and they put on what is called the uci grand fondo mm -hmm. um and in that there, there was, I think it's now up to 21 events around the world where the top 25% of each age category qualify to go and represent their country mm -hmm. as an amateur Grand Fondo qualifier at the Grand Fondo World Championships. Um, last year, I was lucky enough to take part in the one in Scotland. It was amazing, um, outstanding organization, but also a good realization that just uh, you are in the top 25% mm -hmm. of the best amateurs from around the world. So <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a harsh realization. And again, I go back to the beginning where I only did 7,000 kilometers last year. <laughs> so training was not at my best. So this year, um, Spinning's My Night 2 Cycle Challenge is once again, part of the UCI Grand Fondo qualifications. So top 25% of each age category, male and female will receive an invitation um to go to the world championships finals which is in denmark um i think it's in august mm -hmm. i believe it's in august i stand to be correct on that um and you know seeing the amount of riders that are coming into dubai to take part in that because although we are a, a 92 kilometer course you know some of the other courses around the world are incredibly hilly mm -hmm. and uh, a little it's bit very flat here to, yeah it's nice and <laughs> flat we do have the winds, so anybody coming out that That's thinks right. it's going to be an easy one, you know, we're good at riding in the wind. Um, but if you get the, the perfect day, we've had a number of perfect days where the wind just doesn't get up and we're up and riding in Elycra and uh, you see that it is a relatively, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's a relatively less difficult uh, mm -hmm. qualification process. But what that means is that for our local riders, it means that we've got a lot more internationals coming in. So our, um, our boys and girls our have to have, yeah, up our game and show them what's what. Um, yeah, it is, and it's, it is to take part in a, an event where you go and you, you represent the amateurs, the best amateurs from around the world. And you, you have to race in your, uh, your home nation's, uh, uh team kits. So, uh, for me, I was racing in my Scotland Jersey and, uh, mm -hmm seeing all these countries, guys and girls from around the world, just putting in their best. And it was just such a good event. Um, so to get a pathway to it, you need to get that golden ticket, which is top 25%. And on top of that, um, the, uh, the winners from each age group are awarded on the day of the Spinnies to Mine Two Cycle Challenge. So we've got a number of events that are within the event. So mm -hmm. you can take part in the Spinnies 92 um, to be the first male or female. You have to be an elite uh, license holder. Um, and then to win the age categories, you can be anybody in any of the starting pens, um, whether you're starting in the elites or whether you're starting in the 34s or the 32s or the 45s or whatever group it is you're starting in. If you are the first male or female in your age group, 
you're awarded uh, your uh, you get a gold medal from uh, from the UCI for that. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. you got to be in it to win it, everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. So you need to sign up. Um, what race did you qualify for the for the Grand Fondo World Series? Then it wasn't this one. Obviously, you'd be working, right? I hope uh, you would be. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I was definitely working on it. Um, because of my race results from the past, and um, we are as an event organizer, you know, there's, there's certain leeways that uh, we are given by the UCI. So I wouldn't have been able to go in it to to race it to win it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we were given uh, certain wild cards and. Uh, we issued those out to any riders that didn't manage to qualify, that uh, showed the prowess that they could have been there if it wasn't for a mechanical or, or something else right. that hindered them. So they can apply for a wild card. And uh, yeah, the UCI granted me a wild card because we're an event organizer. Oh, nice. So I went over with the pure intent of just going over to see how they do it versus mm-hmm. what we do. You know, it was a bit of a, a fact-finding mission. And I must say, we did a good job. You know, for, for, for a small hometown uh, race in Dubai, we did a very good job at what we put together. And, you know, when the, the internationals come over and they see what they're given as, as part of the race, yeah, we trumped the Grand Fondo World Championship yeah. Finals. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dubai can put on a good show and it can put on a good race. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so in the past, I guess, yeah, since 2010, 14 years now, what are some of the most memorable moments that you can think of that stand out in your mind <laughs> of the race? There have been a few. There have been a few. Um, the Probably the harshest one would have been um, the first Spinach Divine Entry Cycle mm. Challenge when we were we started in Motor City and it was um, on a road that literally just leads out of Motor City. And we had a, a very small gantry set up and we had 450 riders setting off. And once I started that race and watched 450 riders ride off and they went down um, uh, Hesse Street and, sorry, Umsakim Street, and uh, they did a U-turn and came back down. And I'm just standing on the top of this bridge watching people take part in an event that it was so hot demolishing for me that I was going, I'll never be able to take part in this event <laughs> because this is, you know, I've created something that I'd never be able to take part in. Mm. So that was probably one of the starkest realizations. But some of the some of the best ones have been, you know, a number of years ago, we managed to ride down the, um, uh, Jumeirah Street um, mm-hmm. when it was less populated. And having photos and seeing guys and girls riding down Jumeirah with the Burj Khalifa, with the Burj Al Arab in the background, seeing footage with the Burj Khalifa, seeing how the race has grown and, and you know, just the, the accolade that um, I must say that the credit has to go to Spenny's and, and Dubai 92 for, for jumping on board and staying partners. And just seeing the event grow, you know, when we were at um, the setup for the village last year in uh, the cricket stadium and just seeing what that village is now versus mm. what it was 14 years ago at uh, what was in those days was the old camel racetrack down at Maidan. It's, yeah, those are memorable things. Can we call it a village anymore? Is it a mini city? <laughs> it's a mini city. Yeah, it's absolutely a mini city. Um, but to see where it's gone to, I mean, if, if we can go back to like the total energies outright, you know, it's, if I look back at, at where we started and what the envisagement was for the event all those years ago to see where we are now, mm-hmm. um, this year we're trying to, to expand our sort of uh, inclusiveness and trying to make something that is there for everybody. I mean, yeah, we've got the, the, one, the, the one kilometer ride for the, the, the twos and three-year-olds to go around, and that's, that's an amazing thing in itself. You know, the Total Energies Outride, we've, we've had a number of people coming into us that, um, that chat about things. And again, this is, goes back to... The, the ability for us to amend and adapt the race. Mm-hmm. 
So on the outright, it's 35 kilometers, and it's uh, for everybody 13 years old and up, and it's not a race. It's purely a ride to go out and enjoy. You know, we've, we've had conversations with uh, families that are in saying, I'd love to be able to take my, my daughter out for a ride, but she's autistic. Is there any mm -hmm. way we could do something for her? And we're looking at putting this in for this year. Is it's, um, there's a, there's a, there's a, a scale that's called uh, Bike for All from the mm -hmm. UCI. And it's purely about that as well. So we're looking at putting a category in that uh, behind the, um, the guys going out for the Total Energies Outride, that we've got a group that's for families. So if there's a mom or a dad that's got a, um, a person of, de uh, person of uh, determination or somebody's got a disability or you want to ride with your son and your daughter on a pram or a buggy that's um, not electrified, that's just pulled along with you, human-powered, go out and have a family morning. And I spoke to a, a dad and this was just, this is exactly what I want. It's like for me and my wife and my son, who's able-bodied to go out and have a daughter who normally sits in the back of a buggy mm -hmm. with us when we pull her around our Kudra to go out and have that experience. Yeah. That's, that's something that we're aiming towards is to try and be more inclusive to, to make it a fun family event on the total energies outright. It's just got to get people out on the bike and just take in the city. Absolutely. And I think too, just on the point about competitiveness, like, you're really your own competitor, right? Your own Absolutely. competition. And you should, if you want to do something, just do it, you know, yeah. no matter what level you are, just go out and try because at the end of the day, you're a winner for, you know, going out there. And if you're like my first race, my, <laughs> my win was finishing safely, yeah. not the crash after <laughs> yeah. my own doing of being able to unclip. But that was my win. I was so proud of myself for doing that. And I think had I listened to kind of some self-talk saying, oh, don't do that. You're not ready, blah, 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 blah. I wouldn't have done it. So ignore that and just go for it. Go for the 35 kilometer total energies outride. Or, you know, if you feel confident that you're able to do the, the um, 92, you should sign up. Absolutely. I think that the, to, to jump on the back of that point where you're saying that if you're not going to do it for yourself, who would you do it for? Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't think that you're worth putting in that effort to, to maintain your health and your well-being and your fitness levels, I mean, we're not asking you to be superhumans. It's just about doing something. I mean, the, the 30 by 30 challenge that Sheikh Hamdan puts on every year, you know, I speak to people across around the world and they just cannot believe, you know, that the leadership of this country do that for 30 mm -hmm. days, 30 minutes of exercise. That's all it takes. You know, just do something for yourself. And, you know, I think that that's part of, of what the, the, the growth is of the Spinach 92 is it's just it's not just about the racing edge of the, the the front of the bunch it's about everybody and getting out whether you're going for the gold medal or you just wanting to do like yourself just to finish and enjoy that eat well live well village afterwards a good meal yeah. spinach, yeah <laughs> be in it to win it. Um, it I wanted to ask about something else with the race so last year 2023 was the year of sustainability here in the United Arab Emirates and I think every year should be the every year should be a year of sustainability for everyone across the world. We should be all more all more mindful, and I think cyclists, by very nature of loving the outdoors yeah. and being on two wheels, um, you know, care about the environment. But there's an element of this race as well where participants can actually make an impact, right, through the active giving um, program. Can you talk me through that? Absolutely. So we partnered up with the active giving and what it is, is that for every kilometer you cycle in our build up rides or during your activities and events, it goes towards a tree. So every time we get reach a target, we are now planting more and more trees for the environment. So the more kilometers riders do, the mm -hmm. more trees they get planted. 
Yeah, and it's we've I think uh, you know, have to get a proper update, but we're doing well. Yeah, we've got a number of trees that are getting planted. The forest the, yet? <laughs> yeah, not yet, but we're on the way there. Yeah, if you look at if you look at what's happening around Dubai, the greenery that's being planted in Dubai mm. as cyclists, we can get on board with that and uh, do as much as we can for the environment. We all lay a carbon footprint, and we're all guilty of it. But it's um, part of the the event is to try and be more and more sustainable. You know, we're looking at uh, the way we do our water stations. You know, mm-hmm. to try and do away with as much plastic as possible um, to make it environmentally friendly and to make it carbon neutral. You know, there's a there's a long way to go. We've got a lot of cyclists that are coming in from around the world, so we've got to put in, you know, the miles for the carbon footprint that they're putting in to, to come here, mm-hmm. uh, be sustainable, plant as many trees as we can, find ways of, uh, of being less wasteful. Uh, the, the water stations that are going to be uh, in, the, in the race village, it's not going to be handing out water bottles. It's, you know, there's going to be hydration filling stations. So it's, we're encouraging riders, bring your own bottles off your bike at the end of the bike. You're not mm-hmm. going to be given a bottle of water. You know, you're going to be given a, a fountain, up, yeah. fill it up. Yeah. And do riders need to do anything extra besides enter to be part of the active giving uh, initiative? Yeah. So on the registration page, there is a, a link to, to download the app for the active giving. And uh, once you've completed your ride, you, you upload it with your Strava and uh, it immediately just totals straight back into the active giving. So very little effort needed from the rider's side. Download the app, follow the very simple instructions. I, as a, a cyclist, am pretty much one-sided. I get on my bike and ride. Um, but yeah, I get in, end my ride, and it's automatically updated onto the active giving. So once you take the initial steps, it's easy. Even easy. I can do it. Yeah. Easy, easy, easy. Strava or it didn't happen. Or you're not going to oh, be planting a tree. <laughs> that's it. That's it. If it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to anyone who's maybe thinking about, I don't know, joining a race like this for the first time, either the 35 kilometer or the longer 92 kilometer or anyone as well, I guess, separate question, but anyone thinking about coming into the UAE for this edition or next year's edition as well? So I think that um, if you've never taken part in a mass participation event and there's the idea and the desire to go out and do it, I would suggest that, yeah, you put one pedal in front of the other and, and go ahead and do it. You know, like yourself, you, you got a bike, you were determined, you decided that that's what you wanted to do, go and do it. You know, you can put it off until tomorrow, but it's never going to happen. You know, take that active step. A lot of people sign up for events and that gives them a goal to go mm-hmm. for. And it kind of is that, well, I've paid the entry fee, I better get it done. Um, and then I suggest going out on a couple of rides, you know, find a, if you go out on Al Qudra at any time of the day, you know, morning or evening, sometimes during the afternoon, there's some, some people out there that obviously don't have day jobs, um, <laughs> get out and ride your bike. You'll find somebody that's riding at your ability. And then, you know, you find new friends and it's just that camaraderie and that networking on cycling is just unreal, next mm-hmm. level. Um, get out and do a bike ride. You see what your ability is like and then, Maybe enter an event, join in either the Total Energies Outride or the Spinach Divine 92 if you're up for a, a longer ride and then take part in it. You know, there's, there's the, the build-up rides come around every year. If you've missed the build-up rides, you know, sign up now. It doesn't mean that you can't enter. You can still sign up. You'll be put into one of, the, one of the batches, depending on what your speed ability is, and come and enjoy it. Don't go in to race it. Just go in like yourself to get to the end of it. And that's a mm-hmm. learning curve the whole way around is just – seeing what happens and be part of that, that living, breathing organism that is a Peloton. Mm-hmm. Um, taking the sun, taking the fresh air, enjoy it. But enjoy. yeah, I think the first thing is get a bike, get out, go for a ride, see what you think your, your capabilities are. 
And I always say to people, ride within your abilities. You know, mm -hmm. don't think that you can do a 40K when you're a 32 average. Yeah, because you're just not going to enjoy it as much. And yeah. then sign up for an event. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Super insightful because I didn't really know much about, you know, we all know the Spinney's Dubai 92 cycle challenge here, but I'm sure a lot of us maybe don't know the origins of the race or how it's evolved. So it's been very enlightening. Any last thoughts, words, comments, yeah, so questions? <laughs> I'm just going to say to you, you know, that you did it back in 2018. <laughs> Cyclechallenge.ae is the website. Go <laughs> online. Stick that register button and um, I'm pretty sure we'll be able to get you around again. I mean, you've got a big event that uh, that you take part in. So maybe you just need a couple miles in your legs. You know, with Dasani to see around the corner, you, yes. you need to get some miles in your legs. I do, I do. And you know what? I think I, I might be convinced. I need to sort out a road bike, though, because I have a, a gravel bike that I'm riding on now. So You wouldn't be the first or the only person doing on a gravel bike or a mountain bike. We've had people do a mountain, mountain bike. bike yeah, absolutely. Listen, the only limitation is just to make sure that you keep up the minimum speed limit of 26 k's an hour. So a gravel bike, mountain bike, you can do that. Put some slicks on your mountain bike. Next excuse. <laughs> I don't know if anyone will join me on my mountain bike, but let's see. But yeah, no, it was wonderful to chat. Thanks so much. Thank you very much yes. for your time and uh, we'll... all the best with your adventures. Thanks, and we'll see you end of February. If you like this episode, why not give us a little kudos? Five stars only, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And remember, sharing is caring. Thank you for listening.